We've put together a brand new sample of RAR Premium. So if you've been on the fence about joining us inside RAR Premium, you can get a free sample now to see if it's a good fit for your family. To get that free sample, go to readaloudrevival.com slash sample or just text the word RAR sample like it's all squished together in one word. (laughs) RAR sample to the number 33777. Okay, here's the show. Get get easier. Get get easier. Do you want to ask the question? I really do. Okay. So Sam, tell me, how do you do it all? How do you get that sheen on your head, uh, looking so excellent? listening to the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. This is the podcast that helps you make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books. Hello, hello, Sarah McKenzie here. You've got episode 110 of the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. This is a fun one. I'm just going to say It's the start of a new season, and every Tuesday, you can look forward to another brand new episode here on the podcast. Today will not disappoint. We're kicking it off with some laughter. I know a lot of you have been waiting for this particular episode, and the reason I know that is because you've told me so. Listen to this sweet message I got from a young listener not too long ago. I went to a homeschool convention at Fort Worth, Texas, and with you and S.D. Smith, I'm wondering when the podcast with you and him is going to come out. Well, my dear, I am sorry I kept you waiting for so long, but it's here. The podcast is here. So here's what happened, listeners. S.D. Smith, the author of the Green Ember books, and I went around to all of the great homeschool conventions in 2018 and recorded a live podcast. It was so much fun. We talked about the newest book in the Green Ember series about the Read Aloud family, about life and work and imagination and making art for kids. It was so much fun. We recorded those and then I pulled the very best parts out of each and put them together for you in today's episode. For those of you who don't know S.D. Smith's work, he's the author of several books, including The Green Ember, Ember Falls, Ember Rising, The Black Star of Kingston, The Last Archer, And I think if you haven't met his work yet, if you just do a little search online, you'll find out that there are bazillions of kids, especially Read Aloud Revival listeners, who love his stories. They have turned so many kids onto a love of reading and really sparked their imagination. Of course, you can find out more about them and get your hands on the books by going to sdsmith.net. Those of you who enjoyed S.D. Smith's the Black Star of Kingston are going to be excited for this next bit of news I have for you. If you're not familiar, the Black Star of Kingston tells this story a century before Heather and Pickett's adventures in the Green Ember. And it features the story of Whitson Mariner and Fleck Black Star. But a brand new book is coming here in very, very soon. It's called The Wreck and Rise of Whitson Mariner. It's a follow-up to The Black Star of Kingston, and it's going to be shipped in mid-November. You can pre-order it right now at sdsmith.net. I'm just going to tell you, it's a really good idea for Christmas gifts for your Green Ember fans. The Wreck 
and Rise of Wits and Mariner, and that's available for pre-order right now. Okay, so before we move on, I want to make sure you know, great homeschool conventions. Those are happening in Greenville, South Carolina, Fort Worth, Texas, Cincinnati, Ohio, Ontario, California, St. Charles, Missouri, Rochester, New York, and Jacksonville, Florida. If you want to find out more about how you can attend my favorite homeschool convention, go to greathomeschoolconventions.com to learn more. Now, before we launch into today's show, I want to make sure you know that we have complete transcripts for every episode of the podcast, as well as links to all the books and things we talk about in the show. You can find today's episode at readaloudrevival.com slash 110 because it's episode 110. And if you know somebody who is not a podcast listener, but would enjoy what we do here on the show, or maybe hard of hearing, send them that way because we have those free transcripts, which are really handy, as well as links and notes so that you can just sit back, enjoy and listen or fold that laundry or drive those kids to soccer practice. (laughs) Yep, I get it. Without having to take notes and stop and remember what we said. One more quick warning. There is a lot of laughter (laughs) and you can definitely hear the crowd in this one. Because we recorded it live, it's not quite the audio quality that we usually get here on the podcast, but that laughter does get loud. So I'm thinking this might not be an episode you want to have your earbuds in for. I'll leave it to you to decide, but I just wanted to give you a little warning. This is going to be an episode that's fun, by the way, for the whole family to listen to together. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Thank you so much for listening. It's going to be a great season here at Read Aloud Revival. So here it is, Read Aloud Revival Live with SD Smith. A lot of families listening to the Read Aloud Revival podcast who just love reading aloud the Green Ember books. In fact, who here loves the Green Ember books? So there's a few. A few. Thank you, Mom. (laughs) She is so loud. It's amazing. (laughs) She's amazing. (laughs) So my biggest question for you is you hear, we travel around to conventions like this and you meet families who've read the books. And first of all, Did you write the books to be read aloud specifically? No. I'm very angry that that's happening because (laughs) it feels like a misappropriation of my intellectual property. It's funny because yes and no, because the, you know, as you know, the books began as stories I told my kids. So they were read aloud. They were improvised in the moment. They were just stories that were definitely audible. They were stories that I told them on walks and at bedtime and that kind of thing. So it was definitely an an out loud kind of a thing. But then when I wrote it, I wasn't thinking that way. But I'm sure maybe some of that transferred over. But I was delighted to find out that so many people were doing that. And sort of because of you and your influence in our family, we've sort of recovered that tradition. I was always, a, a, I would tell stories, improvised stories to the kids, but I, I didn't do a lot of reading aloud. But I think uh, thanks to your influence, we do that quite often now. And our family has gone downhill ever, uh, ever since. Um, no, it's been great. It's been so wonderful. So I love that. And so co- more consciously in the next books, I don't know if it's really consciously like I'm thinking about it, but I do sort of, I feel like I've picked up a little bit on those rhythms. But it was a surprise to me that, that people were, people say, oh, I can tell you wrote this to be read aloud. Okay, so tell me about writing for children because, I mean, I see you at a lot of conferences like this. So I see you with families and kids who are on fire for your stories. And it's such a singular privilege, I would think, to make stories. I mean, I, I know as a reader myself growing up, the stories that I read growing up were the ones that formed me, right? 
in a whole different way than the books that I read, I read as an adult now, you know, like my own fiction. It's just, it's different. It forms you in a different way. So what is, what do you most appreciate about writing for children? I appreciate that you asked and answered that question at the same time. I think that was... It's my podcast. Good, I told you. good interviewing skills there. Maybe I should take over. Um, no, uh, yeah, you, you, but you hit the nail on the head. It is a, it's a huge privilege, and it's a little bit strange in a way. It's so It's super strange in one way that people care and are excited. Like, that's just unusual. You know, it's not something that you're, you're always exactly super prepared for. But it's, in another way, it's not because these are stories were for my kids. And so it's, I think it's wonderful that other kids and other families like ours like it and that they're into it. And that's, I like it too. And I think it's fine. And we're kind of all in this together. And I love that. And, and I mean, the thing I love about kids and maybe even, you know, kids that we meet at these kinds of things are so, I mean, they're so generous. They're so sweet. They're so special. They're considerate. They're kind. And I think that that extends to sort of the way they behave in person, but also the way that they're thinking about stories, that they're ready to welcome, hopefully, good things like into their hearts. And they're ready to, to um, I mean, surrender to it in a good way, as in like, just get lost in the story. I think for me, that's one of the privileges of, I mean, it's one of the great pleasures of writing is that I get lost, you know, in the world. I get lost in, in Natalia and I'm there. Actually, sometimes when I'm out writing in the, in the forge, that's my little writing. It was like a little garden shed that we turned into a little writing hut. And uh, it's called The Forge because I'm a smith and I work in the forge, you know. Oh, my gosh. I never put that together. Uh, <laughs> she's just like... I thought it was where you took naps. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be out there writing and my family will, like, come to, like, bring me a sandwich or something. or And, and they scare me so bad because I'm just, like, lost. And, and if they hit the door or something, it just... I mean, I'm literally, you know, about to have a heart attack. But I get lost in it. And I love that because I kind of forget about myself. And that's such a treat, I think, especially when you're an adult. You don't do that as much as you would probably like to, especially if you're as an awful a person as I am. Um, <laughs> just just forgetting and getting lost and thinking, oh, there's all the anxieties, there's all the worries, they're gone. I'm just kind of lost in this story and open to it. And I think kids are just so much more naturally like that. And I love that. I think it is a powerful thing. And it's a privilege that I, I take, I love it and I enjoy it and i love making jokes and things, but I take that really seriously and I'm genuinely honored and I genuinely love these kids. A lot of people will um, talk about, well, I'm doing this or I'm doing that, I'm doing that, but what I'd really like to do, and I just feel like there is no what I'd really like to do right now. Okay, I, but here's a question that I bet some of the kids want to know because I always want to know it. If you weren't a children's book writer, what would you want to be? Probably a, a, a better podcast interviewer, probably. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I'd love to be a professional soccer player. I think because uh, I'm good enough to do that <laughs> and young enough, definitely. Uh, I would love to do something like that, but I, I don't know. It would have to be in storytelling. You know, I would probably want to be doing the same sort of thing, but in like a different avenue, you know, movies or TV or I don't know, something else. I would love to do that. Or the, actually the ministry, I would, I, you know, preaching, teaching, that kind of thing. I, I love that sort of thing because I love the Bible and so that would be another thing that's very close to my heart. <laughs> well, one of the things I really appreciate about the books, and I really feel like all good children's books do this, um, maybe all books. I might have to think about that before I say that. But all children's books, for sure. I feel like the, a really good author can leave the reader with hope. Hmm. So even if you have an author like Catherine Patterson, who's writing Bridge to Terabithia, or Kate DiCamillo, who's writing The Miraculous Journey of Edward Tulane, and they're sad books... They leave you at the end with this feeling of greater hope because that's the truth that we tell kids, right? Well, it's the truth that we should be telling ourselves, right? There is hope. 
And I really appreciate that mm. about your books. I feel like you you do that really well with a great number. I think that, thank you. I think that's so important because that's sort of, you know, you can actually have, I love happy endings like big time. I love, I'm, I love, a, I love the traditional sort of like happily ever after that sort of thing. And I like getting there, but you know, the truth is that we live in the middle part of a story. I mean, all of us that, that I'm writing, you know, Ember Falls and Ember Rising are definitely middle stories, but that's kind of where we live. And so stories that always resolve, you know, I, a child does something wrong, has bad consequences, chooses the right thing and wins the championship, gets the pretty girl, gets the, you know, everything happening. Like that's a, that can be actually more harmful in a way. I mean, not all stories like that are bad at all, but I mean, I think that can be, if that's, as, if it's as simple as that, that can actually be more dishonest in a way about it. But, but stories that where characters go through difficult things, but they have hope and they endure are inspiring to me as a person, as a character in a big story where that is actually happening. Our friend, uh, Indy Wilson, he, he, he talks about like how every child will have a death scene. Every person will have a death scene, you know? So that's happening. And so we, you know, we walk through, you know, we may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but hopefully we can say we fear no evil um, because of the hope that we have. So I, I think it's important to, to tell truthful stories about pain and about darkness. And I, I want to be sensitive to kids. I love kids and I don't want to give them too, too much. And every parent's got to figure out what's too heavy or too. But I, I am more afraid of being too soft in some ways and giving them an illusion. I just mean to think we need to tell the truth about darkness and light and hope. Who's read the Black Star of Kingston? Anyone read that? So did you realize that there's a character named after Sarah McKenzie? Yeah, there's a character in that, and her name is Sarah Mack, or Mother Sarah Mack, and she is named for, for Sarah McKenzie. Uh, the funny thing is, he sent me the book, and uh, I don't know if there was a hint in your note that you sent with it or what. Anyway, but I read it, and I saw Sarah Mack. I'm like, that's funny. That's, like, really close to my name. <laughs> I keep reading. And she never said anything to me about it, and I was like, well, okay, it must be no big deal to her to have a character <laughs> named. Well, it's to me all the time, you know. So, <laughs> I mean, the character does die, but I mean... It's, <laughs> No, she doesn't. She doesn't. She doesn't. Not, not in the first book. No, the right. <laughs> we'll see me. how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys know about the Kate DiCamillo picture? Is anybody familiar with that story? I might have to act it out, actually. So Sarah, she this is probably her second favorite author, I would guess, Kate DiCamillo. <laughs> okay, so I wish we could bring up Allison and she could talk about the whole story from a first-person narrative, but I'm just going to assume that I knew everything about it just from this one picture. So, so Sarah's super excited to meet, meet uh, Kate DiCamillo, and so she waits in line for five hours because it's a big deal author. And um, so she finally gets up there, and she's got all her kids with her, and, you know, kids are, like, super excited to meet, like, a famous author, right? That's what you would expect. Well, here's what her kids are doing. So her kids, Allison over there, she's just smiling like super sweetly with Kate DiCamillo, you know. And then Audrey's the older girl. She's really cool and pretty and stuff. She's smiling. And then her son, Drew, is just like, uh, he looks like James Dean. I mean, he's like the coolest guy. He's like, he's like Flynn Rider. And uh, the kids are just all just really cool. And, and Sarah's like this. It is, if you could go look it up online, it's the, it's the greatest picture because all the kids are so cool and calm. Like, we've been here before, and Sarah's just like, I'm so excited to meet Kate Tickabella. The truth about what was happening in that moment is 
because I was trying to contain my excitement. That was you down. That was you down a few well, levels. Because that was like. I was like, I thought I was doing a really good job. <laughs> I was sitting there thinking, like, she has no idea how excited I am to be here. And then we walked away, and someone handed me back my phone. You know, the lady that took a picture, and I'm like, Ooh! it's a wonderful picture. I would use that as your as your author picture, just like. <laughs> Oh boy, I can't even believe I'm saying this, but we did put that picture <laughs> of me and my kids meeting Kate to Camillo in the show notes. So if you're dying to see it, you could probably find it on Instagram by scrolling back or you can go to readaloudrevival.com slash 110 to see it. I can't believe I'm sharing that there. Anyway, let's see. The next thing I wanted to tell you was that I asked SD Smith about an interview I had done with him before. The first interview I did with him for our premium members uh, for an author access event happened a couple of years earlier. So I told Sam, hey, I remember we had this conversation about how you told me you really wanted to go full-time as an author, but that was not within your reach. So the next thing you're going to hear is a clip that I played from that author access event of SD Smith talking about his desire to be a full-time author. That's what you're going to hear next. Like everybody else who wants to be a writer, I, I sort of long for these long stretches of time where I can just, where I could wake up and go out to my office and work and for three hours and take a break and then come back, take a walk. You know, I, I, that sounds great. And honestly, I will, I want to work super hard. I would love to, I would love to be able to do that. I'd love to be able to make, I would love to be able to, for that to be my full time job, but not super close to that yet. But so, so it's uh, still a dream. So it's still a dream you're working toward to be yeah. a full-time writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love to do it. And, and so few people can do that that I just feel like that's a really, really hard thing. But I don't think it's impossible. And I, I sort of try to approach it, again, like I'm not the author of this story of my life. But I kind of try to approach it with God. Honestly, this probably sounds really um, pious. But I just, like a lot of other things, I try to just give it to God. or just try to say, hey, I would love to do this. And you know my heart, and you know what I want to do, and you know there's a mixing of good and bad motivations in everything I do because I'm human. But I think that I have a heart for kids, I have a heart for for writing these stories. And if you want to make it prosper like this, and so I can do this full time, then that's what I would love to do. But I try to say, you know, that that God knows best. So, what do you think when you see that? And that was not that long ago, and it was it was really kind of a dream, right? Yeah, I just. I feel really grateful. And, you know, we're not done. <laughs> the story is not over. But I feel so grateful to be able to do that work full time because I, I, it does feel like, well, it, it does feel like like sort of the, the stuff that we often aspire to can be very empty. So praise and fame and money and that kind of thing, that's, those are things that are exciting, but they, they don't have like an endurance kind of a thing. But to be able to be involved with, like we talked about earlier, to be able to be involved with families and giving them gifts and loving kids. Like, I don't know, you and I probably, I think we've talked about this about, in many ways, we live in an, in an, in an age that's not, that's sometimes grossly inhospitable to kids and to families. And so I love the idea of sort of fighting back against that by trying to be hospitable and give good gifts to kids. And that's one reason why I'm so grateful for what you do, because I feel like that's your whole life is your giving tools to parents. They're giving tools to people who are loving kids really well. And people who and that's what's so cool about being in a place like this. There's so many families that are very in, intentional about that. They're doing things on purpose. We're making mistakes. We're too crazy about this and we're not crazy enough about that or whatever. It's we're all but we we're you know, you guys are trying to do stuff. You're trying to do good things. 
for your families. And so to be a part of that and to come alongside parents as an ally to them and to say this is a need because it's a need that we have in our family and to be able to be that kind of an ally to families is just is such a privilege, such an honor. And I feel like that families have been supportive of us. So we're just really, really grateful to them. And I'm grateful to God to, for saying yes. When you see a picture on Instagram or Facebook or wherever of a child reading your books, any one of your books, what's your heart's desire for that reader? I hope they paid full price for that. <laughs> um, I wish they were as excited as Sarah is about Kate to Camilla. I love, I mean, yeah, for those kids, gosh, I just, you know, I want um, them to be living a story that, to be equipped, to be brave, to live the story through the inevitable pain that they're going to face, that they would be equipped, that they would have, their imaginations would be armed to understand what evil is outside and inside and to be encouraged and inspired to not only know what's right and wrong, but to love it and to want to embrace it. So I, I want that. I want that for myself, and I want that for the kids. And I don't write stories thinking, how am I going to, how am I going to you know, prop up this virtue? I don't think that way, but I think the, the stories are about that in a big way, and I certainly want that for them. While the, and, and really, on a real basic level, I want them to be delighted. I want them to love. I want them to have joy happiness in a moment. I want them to feel pleasure and to, and to enjoy the escape. But as my friend Heidi Johnson said, you know, the best kind of literature is, is not the, the kind that tells the truth about the world is not an escape from reality. It's an escape into reality. And I want my stories to be an escape into reality. I but, love that. That's beautiful. Because one of the things that I think is so powerful about reading stories with our kids is that we get practice Every time we read a story, we encounter a character who has to overcome obstacles, right? And so if we give our kids stories and stories and stories as they're growing, by the time they're grown, when they face those obstacles in their lives, they'll know they've seen and they're born witness to heroes finding what they need in themselves and in God to meet the obstacle, to overcome the obstacle. Yeah. So who else is bored of, of uh, her asking questions? Because I think it would be interesting if... How many of you would like to hear... Did you just say, call me boring? Just ignore that part. That was... I did say it. It is true. But, I did, but, I, I, but let's not focus on that. Now, how many of you guys would like to hear me ask some questions? Okay. So Sarah's books. I mean, I love... The, I, we, our family's been really influenced by her books, for, starting with Teaching from Rest, and then the new book, which is a, a genuine, like, USA Today bestseller. Been, so people are very, very touched by what you're doing. My family, my wife, we all love you. So you've done all this stuff, but you've done... You know, your, your podcast has reached, like, what, 4 million? Yeah. 4 million downloads. That is incredible. So super successful writer and podcaster, and you've been writing blog posts for years. You've been, you've been doing a lot of things. So, uh, and so some of us have been reading it for a long time. I have a question about your new book, The Read Aloud Family. Like, if we were a person who listens to the podcast and has kind of been tuned into the things you've been doing, the things you've been giving away for so long, like, what's, is there still something in the new book for people like that? Or is it better for, for just people who are brand new to this whole scene? At conferences and on the podcast and email and on 
We, I hear from families who have never really read aloud or families who used to read aloud, but their kids are all older or families who've been reading aloud a long time. And to kind of, depending on you, where your family is in your read aloud journey, there's a different struggle that you're dealing with, but it's never usually just like easy cakewalk, right? So it's either, I don't know what books to read, or I don't really know where to start, or I have a 16 year old who does not want me to read aloud to him, or my teenagers are going to scoff at me, or I have kids I've been reading aloud to for a long time, but I'm ready to have some like good conversations about these books that we're reading and the, the ideas that we're encountering in them. And so how do we do that? So in the read aloud family, the biggest challenge was to sort of, I wanted it to be a place where a family could be met where they are, no matter where they are on that spectrum. So the first part of the book, the whole is divided into three parts. And the first part of the book is all, I hope it's lighting a fire. That was the hope because you know, on the, I don't know about you guys, but like on the middle of a week in the homeschool week, when you're tired and laundry's like falling out of the laundry room and the dishes are behind and the 12 year olds shooting nerf, nerf darts instead of doing his math homework. Sometimes reading aloud can be the thing that falls off the radar, right? Because there's so many other things that feel more urgent and that you see an immediate result for it. But it's not like you sit down and you read the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe to your kids and they like hop up and they're suddenly more virtuous or something, yeah. right? So it's not like we get instant results from, from reading aloud and it can kind of feel like the least priority. Yeah. It's easy to fall off. So the whole first part of the book is, I hope, a fire, a fire that it reminds us how important it is, even if we can't see the instant results, like how those long-term investments we're making in our kids. And then the second part is more practical, and that's where it got challenging to figure out how do I address the questions from people who are new and people who've been here a long time. And I hope I did that. The hope was that everybody, kind of depending on where they were, would find what they needed. And then the third part is book list. So, so I would say I tried to write The Read Aloud Family for anybody who either wants to or has been experiencing books with their kids and making stronger connections with their kids by using books in their family, reading books together. I don't know if that was answering your question because I usually come up with the questions, not the answers. Did well, I, I answer think, your question? Yeah, and I think, I wonder, like, just following up. So I know, so do you find it's, there's all this research about the value of, like, scientific benefits, the brain development, all this kind of stuff that increases your ability to do well in other subjects, that kind of a thing. If read aloud does all these things. So, but have you found the difference between people, you know, knowing the facts about read aloud is technically valuable versus I want to be passionate about this. And is that part of like what the first part of it is like giving us a vision and kind of like a heart for it? Yeah. Cause here, I mean, I think once we experience it for ourselves, there's almost no going back. Right. So this is why when I launched the read a lot revival podcast on kind of a whim, like tell, four years tell ago. Tell that story. Like that's, okay. a, that's a cool story. Okay. A lot of voices might tell you that you need to learn how to get better at homeschooling. But I know something about you. You don't actually need to homeschool better. You need to homeschool happier, to have more fun, to smile more, laugh more. You want a twinkle in your eye. (laughs) And you want your kids to know deep in their bones that you love homeschooling them. That twinkle is worth pursuing too, because the key to a successful homeschool is a peaceful, happy mother. And that's what we're committed to helping you become at RAR Premium. RAR Premium is a unique program that offers mentoring for you, the homeschool mom, and we offer Open and Go Family Book Club. This is a family book club you can use with all ages from 4 to 17, and it will explore language arts, reading, and we often dip into writing, science, history, all across the curriculum as we uncover so many good and meaningful ideas. The best news is we do all the prep work for you. 
if you'd like to get a free sample of RAR Premium so you can see if it's a good fit for your family, head to readaloudrevival.com slash sample. Or you can just text RAR Sample, one word, to the number 33777 and we'll send it your way. Now back to the show. Jim Trelease's The Reload Handbook. Anybody? Okay, so I read that book with my oldest daughter, who's now 16, when she was one. And so that was the first time I sort of encountered this idea that reading aloud wasn't just to prepare our kids to read on their own. You know, I always thought you read aloud to kids who couldn't read, mm-hmm. and then once they could read, then it was preferred that they read for themselves. And that was the first book that challenged that and said, no, no, there's something else, that there's another benefit to reading aloud outside of that, uh, and that's bigger and that's longer lasting. And so... I was reading a lot to my kids quite a bit, but it really got amped up after I heard Andrew Pudua give his talk, Nurturing Competent Communicators. And who's heard that talk? So good. And his basic argument there is that to help your child be a good communicator, writer, or speaker, you want to read aloud a ton and you want to help them memorize poetry. Then I started reading aloud a ton with my kids and really was sort of gobsmacked at the the differences I saw in their relationships with each other and with me and like this family culture we were building around books. We seemed to have like our own almost secret vocabulary or something like our inside jokes, mm. kind of like when you watch a movie and somebody else quotes something from the movie and everyone laughs, you know, it's you're, you're going on real journeys together. And I would call them real journeys. Like yeah. They're not, it's not pretend it's, yeah. it's a real experience you're having. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that shared experience, yeah. especially with older kids when they start butting heads with each other or with you, or with you, <laughs> then it's like when you sit down and read together, everybody's on the same page now. We're like, all, we remind ourselves we're all on the same side of the fence, right? Yeah. So it's such a beautiful experience. And I was sort of just amazed at this change in my family. And I got so excited. I thought I would love to like do a couple podcast interviews about this. I'm the tiny bit impulsive. And so in the space of about 10 minutes, I thought it would be really fun to do a podcast interview with Andrew Pudua about reading aloud. And then I dashed off an email to Andrew Pudua's marketing director. Hey, would Andrew Pudua like to be on my podcast to talk about reading aloud? I didn't have podcasts. She's a liar. I didn't say my existing podcast. It was my podcast in my mind. So I said, well, the thing is, though, it's Andrew Pudua, right? Like, he's not going to say yes, except that he did. And so I get this email back like an hour later. Oh, Andrew Pudua would love to be on your podcast. Like <laughs> That doesn't exist. I got to figure out how to start a podcast. And I really thought it was going to be like four or six episodes, just some encouragement for my kind of small vlog readership about enthusiasm for reading aloud with your family. And instead, what happened is it sort of took off. I think the reason it did, the reason I'm even telling this story is because it really surprised me that it did. But I, maybe in hindsight, I shouldn't have been so surprised because I think when parents who care about their kids and their relationships with their families, with everything they are, find that they're, they can make such a tremendous impact from the simple act of opening a book and reading mm. a little bit with their kids, we almost become fanatical about it, right? Mm. It becomes like a part of who we are. Yeah. Well, and that's one thing that is, I think most, so many people respond to. I think so much that we hear about even the homeschool world or in other worlds, like you just hear these, it's kind of like, 
let me tell you how you're messing up and you need to do my way to do it better. And it never feels like that's what you're doing. Like it feels like you found something that's amazing. You're like the person who's just the most excited about it, enthusiastic. And it's not fake. It's very, it's really genuine. Did anybody notice that in the last, I guess it's been in the last year, you changed your, the tagline for your podcast. It used to be, does anybody remember what it used to be? Build your family culture around cigarettes. That's right. Um, <laughs> no. you see, this is why we edit so heavily. Build, when <laughs> build your family culture around books. So that was the old, uh, that was the old label. And then the new one is help making lasting, connecting, lasting meanings. That was it. It's, and it's so eloquent. I think that's really yeah. my favorite part. It's a great sentence. Um, <laughs> No, making lasting... Meaningful and lasting. Meaningful and lasting connections. Connections with your kids through books. (laughs) What happened is I started writing The Read Love Family, and I thought I was writing a manifesto, basically, on reading aloud. And then as I was writing it, I realized it was more like a manifesto on connecting with our kids, and reading aloud ends up being like the avenue we do that with. But the point isn't the books. The point is the children, right? Like The point isn't the books. The point is the family connections. It's it's reaching our kids' hearts. The books help us do that. But as I was writing, I realized that the reading aloud is important only insofar as it serves our greater purpose, which is to reach the hearts of our children. And so as I thought about that, too, I thought, like, when I wake up in the morning, I don't know about any of you, but I don't wake up in the morning and I'm like, how am I going to build a family culture today, right? I'm like, how am I going to make sure everybody has clean underwear on before we go to co-op, right? So it felt very daunting. Like, yeah. that, is that really how... And I, I kept thinking, you know, on the podcast... The whole purpose of the podcast is to help families do this thing of connecting with their kids through books. And we do that. It's actually very simple, but so many of us, me, totally raising my hand here, make things more complicated than they need to be or build them up to be more complicated. And so I thought that's not really helping because when we say until next week, go build your family culture around books or just make sure your kids are wearing clean underwear, one of the two, whatever you can manage today. I think you should have made that. Yeah, yeah. That would have been a better tagline. <laughs> so I thought, well, actually what the essence of what we're trying to do is make is connect with our kids, right? That's the point. So then I thought, well, it actually, it's a nice, it's a kinder, more generous thing to say at the end of the podcast is to go connect with your kids because you can do that in five minutes, 10 minutes of reading aloud or looking into your child's eyes. But you can't really, I mean, you can build a culture that way, one drip at a time, one read aloud at a time, one day at a time built over years, but that's not what we're really doing today. You know, what, what you talk about with the, the, the deeper thing that, that's so important, because I feel the same way, like uh, C.S. Lewis talks about this in this wonderful quote that I'm never prepared with to actually do justice to, but he talks about how we think that it's the, the painting or the book or oh, the yeah. sunset or yeah. the, well, we, we think it's something. But that these are things that the beauty comes along and that, that what we're really longing for is something deeper. And so I, that doesn't mean that they're bad. That doesn't mean I, I believe in, in the power of storytelling profoundly. And I don't think that stories should be reduced to tracks to try to teach good behavior or something like that. I really Or don't. utilitarian to like, yeah. I'm going to read this to my child so that they are improved they, in this way. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that, I don't believe that. But I also don't believe that they're, like you said, that they're the ultimate thing. So I love what yeah. you're saying. And I think it's even... What we long for is is these connections, and I think that goes back to even sort of like Trinitarian theology, as far as like that's what that's the beginning. It begins with God and the connections and the, and the love and unity. That's that's where we come from, and that's I think that's what we all long for is those deep deep connections. And all of the, our connections in life are these sort of like 
images of this deeper connection that we, that we, oh. can, uh, that we long for. Ah, oh, that was such a fun conversation. I had such a good time doing those at the Great Homeschool Conventions with SD Smith. Before we stopped each time, we asked some kids if they wanted to come to the microphone and ask SD Smith any questions about the Green Ember. Now, unfortunately, we weren't able to get good audio recordings of every child who did this, but we did get a handful of them. And that's what you get to hear next. What is your favorite character from the books you wrote? Georgie. Georgie, with a wonderful question. What is my favorite character from the books I have written? I don't know. So I like Heather and Pickett a lot, and maybe Heather the most, because I've sort of she's sort of the main point of view character for me. I, like, I identify with both of them. So I think I really like them a lot, but I also kind of like Helmer a lot. A lot of, I'm surprised by how many kids really love Helmer as kind of their favorite. I hear that all the time. He's their favorite character, and I... He's so mean and crotchety old man that I think people love that for some reason. All right, this is Deacon. How did you feel when you got the first copy of your first book? I felt happy. I felt grateful uh, and scared uh, <laughs> because I didn't know what to expect. I was kind of, it was a bit of an investment, and I was a little bit afraid that not very many people would buy it. And so I, I kind of thought, well, you know, it's like it's risking something. You're trying something, and you're sharing something with the world from your heart, and you just are a little bit nervous about rejection and, and uh, criticism and that kind of thing. I, I read this quote from J.R.R. Tolkien from a letter that he wrote, and he talked about how how afraid he was that the Lord of the Rings had been published. He said, I, I'm afraid I won't be able to mind what is said. I'm afraid I've exposed my heart to be shot at. And that's how he felt after writing the greatest novel, in my opinion, of all time. And so I'm a lot like Tolkien, probably better. Um <laughs> No, I just, so I remember just feeling like happy about it and I loved the art. So I was like, I was really excited about how good it turned out looking. And I just thought, wow, that's gonna, that's gonna get, people are gonna wanna read that when they see it. And that's a little bit scary. But I was, I was happy and thankful, grateful and scared. What is your favorite book that you wrote? Favorite book that I've written. So the thing that most authors say is that that's like choosing a favorite book that I've written is like choosing my favorite child, which I'm happy to do. Um, um, no, I'm kidding. My kids are all great. I think my favorite book, gosh, the, the Green Ember is really special to me because it was first and it was it's, uh, it was our own little family story. But I, I really loved the new one, the Ember Rising. Like, I, I really enjoyed that a lot. So it's probably it's maybe my favorite one right now. Thank you, Sam. Sam, what's your favorite? The Read Aloud Family? <laughs> Green Ember or the Black Star Kingston? Because it has a character named after her. I know. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. Where did you get the inspiration to like write or to use rabbits as like the characters? Um, where I got the inspiration to use rabbits was a lot of people think that I'm like a I have a bunch of rabbit hutches and I'm keeping taking care of rabbits and they're running around in my house and that I'm part rabbit or something weird like it. But uh, I don't, nobody's ever said that. I don't know where yeah. that came from. But um, the truth is I didn't, so what happened was I was just telling my kids, my daughter stories. I would just tell her stories. And there we happened to be on the porch in our rural West Virginia home. And there were some wild rabbits hopping around in the yard. And I just started telling her stories about them and she loved it. And so I told her more and she loved those. So I told her more. All right. This is Abby. Okay. Did you like reading when you were little? Abby, I did in a way and I didn't in a way. So this is another cautionary tale. When I was when I was really little, 
some people read aloud to me. A first grade teacher and my mother read the Chronicles of Narnia. And the teacher read Lassie and the Boxcar Children and books that I just really loved. And so I loved storytelling and I was very excited about it. And I, and I thought, well, I want to be an author. And I even would write little things there. But then I sort of didn't read. I didn't pick up my own books. It felt strange to me. I didn't know a lot of men or males that read a lot other than sort of like the Bible and spiritual literature. I didn't really know a lot of people who read novels. That was mostly like a lot of girls that I knew, girls in my class, girls my age would read it. So that wasn't why I didn't necessarily, I just, I like sports and I, I just didn't see a lot of that. And I really regret that. So I kind of came to it pretty late. I kind of came to reading pretty late. So I think that's, I started probably started reading a lot when I was 15, 16, and I just never stopped and just got crazy about it. I read, you know, I went from reading uh, Tolkien to Shakespeare and just, just really was, really loved British literature and got, got into that. So if you're, I think a lot of boys fall, maybe less so in the homeschool community, but it feels like a lot of boys sometimes feel, because sometimes we can, they can be a little bit behind girls their age, so it's maybe, it's tough to not be as good at something, you know, so, so that kind of keeps us from trying things sometimes, which I think is a mistake. We should keep going and keep trying. So if, if it's been tough for you to be a reader, I think it's, it's never too late. And if you're kind of, I've had so many people say that they're, they were reluctant readers and maybe the green number was a first book. I've heard that from a lot of moms about boys who, who this has been the first book that they read on their own or that kind of a thing. And I feel super honored by that, partly because of my own history of being a little bit late at it. I'm Lily. I'm 13. Awesome. And what's your question for Esty Smith? My question is, where do you get your passion for writing? Like, you have a, a stream of creativity. Where do you get it from? Well, I, I think I was motivated to tell these stories because I love my kids. And I like storytelling, too. But to actually write it down, I think that took it takes more than just kind of passion. So I feel like it's more important. More important than passion is, is like, commitment, you know, showing up. So I think you feel, sometimes you feel passion or you feel excitement. And sometimes you don't, but you still have to do the right thing. You know, you still have to show up for what you're called to. So I feel like I did have that to some degree. I mean, I do have that. I, I feel that, but I, you don't feel it all the time. So, but I think as far as my own heart, like what, what I love, I think I talked about it earlier, but I love my kids and I love all the kids who read these books. And before I start writing every day, I pray for the kids, all the kids that read the books. And because I love them and I want good gifts for them. And I know that I'm super capable of like getting in the way. <laughs> so I, I've asked to kind of get out of the way, uh, you know, all my baggage. I, I want to give kids good gifts because I, because I love them. So that, that passion is definitely there all the time. And when other things go and book sales or popularity or other kind of things, like they, they come and go and they feel good or they don't for a while. But like that love and the commitment I have to the, to the young readers is like means the world to me. Ah, so good, right? That was such a great conversation. Thanks to all of you who showed up at our live podcast in 2018. I hope to do some more live podcasting at some point in the future because it was really fun to have a studio audience and to connect with all of you and hug your necks and see your beautiful faces and hug your kids. Just loved it. Hey, if you want to connect with SD Smith, you can do that at sdsmith.net. And of course, in the show notes of today's show at readloudrevival.com slash 110, You'll be able to find links to everything we talked about, all of his books, all that good stuff. That's readaloudrevival.com slash 110. And just as a reminder, if you want to catch me at the Great Homeschool Conventions in 2019, go to greathomeschoolconventions.com for more information. (music) 
Now it's time for Let the Kids Speak. This is my favorite part of the podcast, where kids tell us about their favorite stories that have been read aloud to them. Hi, my name is Anthony, and I live in Sugarland, Texas. I'm eight years old. My favorite book is The Last Firehawk by Katrina Charming. I like it because the firehawk throws fire at the ceiling and traps the jaguars. Hi, my name is Emma Radigan, and I live in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I am 16 years old. And it's really hard to choose a favorite book that has been read aloud to me, even. But I would have to say that the Lord of the Rings trilogy and the Chronicles of Narnia series would be my favorite read aloud by my dad, and by my mom would be the Penderwick series. I like the Penderwicks because it makes just normal everyday life so exciting and makes you be able to realize the things that are so funny in our day-to-day lives. And I like Lord of the Rings and the Chronicles of Narnia because they are so inspiring and give so much encouragement for our lives. I just like to say that I think we need more teenagers on here, so let's get to this, guys. Well, Emma, Sarah McKenzie here popping in to thank you for your message and to say, I quite agree. I love getting messages from teens. My name is James Radigan. I live in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I am 13 years old. My favorite books that have been read aloud to me would have to be the Hobbit series and the Little House series, both of which I really like because of their adventure and because of the wonderful characters. Hi, my name is Joshua. I live in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I'm 11 years old, and my favorite book that has been read aloud to me by my dad is probably Lord of the Rings, and by my mom is probably the Gene Birdsall Penderwick series. My name is Anna Radigan. I live in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I'm nine years old, and my favorite book is The Penderics by Jeannie Birdsall. And my favorite part is when Batty gives Jeffrey the picture of Hound. I'm Josiah Radigan. I'm six years old. I live in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and my favorite book is Richard Scary. I like it because all the people are cats and dogs. Hi, my name is Charlotte Radigan, and I live in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I am 14 years old. And my favorite books are the Ashtown Burial series by Andy Wilson. I like them because of the adventure and suspense, and there's a little bit of romance, too. So, thank you so much. Bye. What is your name? Sloan. Sloan? How old are you? I'm You're two. And what's your favorite book? Good night, moon. Good night, moon. Hi, my name is Maya. I'm five years old, and my favorite book is Paddington Bear. I like the part when he's scrubbing himself, and when he's done scrubbing himself, then he gets all fluffy after his bath. My name is Josiah, and I'm five years old. My favorite book is Minnie B. Jones, and my favorite part about it when she, she was funny is when she, she did all the maze homework. 
Thank you, kids. Gosh, I just love those messages. So I really appreciate you taking the time to send those in. Hey, thanks for listening today. I'm so glad that we're back with another season of fantastic episodes for you. I can't wait until next Tuesday. We'll be back with episode 111, all about how to handle interruptions during read aloud time, because we all get constantly interrupted during read aloud time, right? We're going to tackle that next week. Same place, same time. But until then, go make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books. Are you still here? Okay, well, I am too. And I wanted to check to see if you've had a chance to download the samples from RAR Premium yet. RAR Premium is committed to helping you become the peaceful, happy mom you're called to be so that your kids know deep in their bones that you just love homeschooling them and also so that they can become lifelong voracious readers. Get a free sample of RAR Premium by going to readaloudrevival.com slash sample or by texting the word RAR sample like it's one word all squished together (laughs) to the number 33777.